Time for this week's edition of the Source Weekly Update, out of the press and into your ear. Every week, found wherever you get audio. And now let's check out some of the highlights from this week's Source Weekly, Volume 24, Issue 8, dated February 20th. First up, Black History via Comedy. Hammered Black History focuses on the African-American presence in Oregon in a tangible, relatable way. By Kayla Clark. According to a 2019 United States Census Bureau report, Ben's racial composition is 92.7% white. African Americans make up 0.6% of the city's population. As it turns out, there may be valid reasons behind the long-time lack of racial diversity. The last of three Oregon black exclusion laws was repealed in 1926. These laws were initially written to prevent African Americans from settling in Oregon. While the first two laws didn't last, they did their part in setting a tone of intolerance and segregation. North Carolina native Johnny Alfredo moved to Bend last year. He explained that becoming one of a handful of African-American community members was a major adjustment. The exclusion laws had a major impact on the black community, and they still do, 100 years later. There has been a lot of progress as far as accepting minorities over the years, but if you look at the laws, you'll see that black people were targeted. No other minorities were specifically named. Yet, rather than focus on the state's history of discrimination, Alfredo aims to shine a light on the contributions that African Americans have made to the state's population as a whole. He organized Hammered Black History to showcase the positive impact that the black population has had in Oregon. Think drunk history, but live. There really isn't a lot of conversation about black history in Oregon outside of African American studies classes, you know? We wanted to present important black figures in Oregon history in a relatable format, Alfredo said. These are historical figures that had a huge impact on social norms in the state. Pioneers of the game. They should be well-known figures. But I don't recall ever learning about a black historical figure from Oregon. Participants include Alfredo, Cody Michael, and Anissa Bonahan. Historical figures covered include Clarence Pruitt, the first black dental school graduate at Oregon State University and Catherine Hall Bogle, the first black person to be paid for contributing to the Oregonian. Alfredo also emphasized the importance of being an ally in a community that lacks a strong history of diversity and acceptance. It's going to be a fun event, but I hope to get people thinking, he said. What more can be done by African-American allies? As it stands, their voices do tend to get heard. They have bigger platforms. The examples we're sharing of African-Americans who have done incredible things in Central Oregon. They've always been backed by white allies. If we're going to say that we support racial diversity, we have to do so actively. Next, Corona Cruise. Oregon comedian finds himself on board an undockable cruise ship. Port Countries Fear Coronavirus by Kayla Clark. When Eugene-based comedian Frank King left for his last series of paid performances aboard the MS Westerdam of the Holland America Line, he had no way of predicting the series of events that would soon unfold. Recent worldwide panic regarding the coronavirus outbreak has left many countries wary of foreign travelers, and as a result, the temporarily homeless cruise ship was turned away from five countries before finally docking in Cambodia last Thursday. China's Centers for Disease Control and Prevention noted close to 2,000 coronavirus-related deaths so far, putting the overall death rate at 2.3%. 
Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, commonly known as SARS, which swept through China nearly 20 years ago, had a 10% death rate, according to the U.S. CDC. Imported cases of coronavirus disease 2019 in travelers have been detected in the U.S. Person-to-person -person spread of COVID-19 also has been seen among close contacts of returned travelers from Wuhan, but at this time, the virus is not currently spreading in the community in the United States, the CDC reported. Still, the extremely contagious nature of this specific strain has led to international fear. We boarded in Hong Kong on February 1st, King told the source Friday. Anyone who had been to the mainland was turned away. We headed to the Philippines, but the president had banned all ships from China. The ship was allowed to dock in Taiwan, the next port on the itinerary. There's a camera in customs that reads everyone's temperature, he explained. Everyone passed except for 20 people who had mild fevers. If you consider the amount of people on the ship, some people were bound to get sick with something. But the Taiwanese equivalent to the CDC dropped the hammer and said, nope, sorry, you can't come back on shore. Oh, and you need to leave immediately. We were thrown out of there like a rowdy drunk. King said so far passengers didn't fear for their well-being. We were able to restock on food and fuel in Taiwan, but we had to get out of there. So we moved on to South Korea, and South Korea said, no, you can't come here. So we moved on to Japan, and Japan said, no. There were three Japanese ports on the itinerary. King, who the source featured in our January 15th winter health issue, explained that the ship wanted to dock in Guam, but Guam also turned the cruise line down. So we turned around and headed southwest. I had never used the Compass app on my phone before, and at this point, I'd used it at least 50 times. After attempting to dock in Thailand and being forcibly escorted back to sea by a heavily armed gunboat, the ship docked in Cambodia. This was a huge relief to the passengers, despite the lack of an accessible international airport, King said. The 20 people with fevers were tested extensively and deemed clear of the virus. Once the ship docked, Holland America chartered flights out of Cambodia, bringing the once sea-stuck passengers safely back home. Holland America bent over backwards to keep people safe and happy, King noted. We could make calls for free, use the internet for free, and of course everyone got refunded. Despite the circumstances, spirits on the ship remained high. There was no mass hysteria, nothing like that, said King. It was funny, actually. There was a souvenir t-shirt available for purchase, one with all of the ports mapped out on the back. Every day this guy would tape over another port with a new port name. Everyone made light of the situation, probably because we knew no one on board was actually sick. 80-year-old local Terry Bryan of Bend was diagnosed with a strain of the virus on Super Bowl Sunday after some strange symptoms spurned a late-night hospital visit. It was hard to describe. There was no pain. It was just a rotten feeling, he said. Something wasn't right. After running several hours of testing, the medical team finally came to a conclusion. At first, they thought I had pneumonia, based off of a CT scan, Brian said. They later decided it was coronavirus based off of blood work. Brian was released from the hospital following the diagnosis and advised to rest inside for between 8 and 10 days. Representatives from St. Charles Medical Center did not respond to our request for information on coronavirus diagnoses at its facilities by press time. Before spiraling into a panic, note that there are numerous strains of the virus, and that only the COVID-19, which experienced its initial outbreak in Wuhan, China, is lethal. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Source Weekly Podcast. Be sure to pick up your free copy of the Source Weekly wherever you find yourself in Central Oregon, or log on to our website, bensource.com. 
Thanks for listening. I'm Sam Scholl.